Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Uplift. This week I'm joined by Margaret in studio and she's going to share her story. Struggling after an abortion is something many women experience, yet it is shrouded in silence. Today we are joined by Margaret in studio who will share her story and how abortion has affected her. Thank you Margaret for joining me in studio today. Um, would you mind sharing your story? Not, not at all and <laughs> thank, you. thank you for asking me. No problem. Um, well, I had um, two abortions in my life and the first, um, oh, back in 1974 and this was when um, I was in a, a relationship with a married colleague at work. But um, for me, uh, I was 27 years old and thinking, believing this was the love of my life but also, I think quite naively, um, believing that, well, um, I only see him occasionally and it's, uh, how would you say, I wasn't expecting any more from him than maybe an occasional coffee or whatever. Mm. But anyway, um, three, min three months into uh, the relationship, I and I found myself pregnant and again when I look back and I think my goodness how naive you were because at work and I was being sick in the mornings and I thought um, what's that yeah. and until um, I missed uh, um, two periods mm -hmm. uh, I thought there's something wrong and took a, a pregnancy test and again uh, the impact, the shock of that and uh, well I know many women um, when you find out you're pregnant and it's not in the ideal circumstance uh, your life's out of your control mm -hmm. so it, it's, it is a crisis and uh, What's the future going to be like? Mm. Can I cope? And uh, I think there was a very short time, a window, mm. if you like, where because I was having the baby of the man I loved, it was a baby. Mm. But when the time came for me to tell him, uh, and uh, well, when the rubber hits the road, mm. um, the reality kicks in and he said well well what happened was that he um, had to go back home and explain to his wife uh, and there's a whole scenario or a whole backstory of mm. he came up from England to where we were working mm. so his wife was still living down south but anyway mm. the outcome of that was that uh, well Margaret I don't know what you're going to do but I won't be with you. Mm. And for me, that was when really the terror um, hit me and I thought, well, I can't do this. And then the very strong denial kicked in. Okay. And that was where the baby was no longer a baby. Mm. It was a pregnancy. Mm. So I went to my own doctor and she... Um, she didn't talk to me or didn't explain what other options or how do you feel about this, Margaret? Just to talk about it. 
um, I'll see you, I'll arrange your first antenatal appointment. And um, so I left the doctor's surgery even more frightened than I had when I went in because I thought she was, she was going to tell me something that would take this knot out of my stomach. Anyway, a, a friend, um, the only one that I told, um, she had worked down south and uh, she had um, heard of the British Pregnancy Advisory Service as was, it's now BPAS, and um, they didn't have an office in Glasgow. But you could phone, chat to a counsellor, mm. and uh, the arrangement was that the nearest clinic was in Liverpool. So I travelled down to Liverpool and the, well, um, with the father. Um, I said, I'm not going, I can't go on my own, and you'll have to go with me. Uh, so that was okay, and of course he said and he would pay for it because it was a private clinic. And um, when I got there, uh, the counselling that was provided, mm. or that they give, was um, two questions. Are you in a supported situation? And can you cope? Mm. And I said no to both. And the only question I asked was, is it a baby yet? And they said, oh, no, no, it's just cells, it's just mm -hmm. a blob. And it was the, well, I was coming up for 10 weeks okay. uh, gestation and it was a surgical termination. Again, I'd never been in hospital before. I'd ne Well, it was a clinic, but I'd never um, experienced um, a general anaesthetic and nobody knew mm. apart from... Um, I'll call him James, uh, that where I was and my friend and really was quite afraid. But anyway, um, they explained the general anaesthetic. I didn't say much about the procedure and, uh, well, after I was given the anaesthetic and when I woke up it was, um, I didn't realise it was all over. But for me, and because of my denial, yeah. I, was, I really was so relieved. I got my life back. Mm. And, um, but there was a very big difference. On travelling down, he was the man that I thought I was in love with. Mm. But when he came to pick me up, it was as if he was a stranger and I didn't want anything yeah. to do with him. Yeah. Um, and that's just to explain aspects of the emotions that, mm. well, for me, that I was going mm. through. So, in um, believing that, well, that's it, I've got to get on with my life, um, I did not acknowledge um, the baby yeah. at all. And for the next nine years, um, I was in denial. I focused on um, my career. But um, we, as human beings, are created body, mind and spirit. So maybe in our mind we can shut off, mm. but certainly not in our bodies. Mm. And I didn't realise that I'd become anorexic. I didn't eat. And uh, not that I was heavy then, mm. but I certainly lost a tremendous amount of weight, but not aware of it. And it wasn't until a photograph that was taken at a, a, 
um, an office party mm. and someone said, oh, look, there's a nice photograph of you, Margaret. And, and I thought, my goodness, mm. is that me? <laughs> because I really was mm. um, so thin. And my, my dad had said to me, Margaret, I don't know what's wrong, but I think you need to start eating or you won't be here. Mm. And that really was a wake-up call too, because I thought, I don't want to die. Yeah. And um, so I made sure from then on that I had one meal every day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, life went on and my job was good and I got good promotions. And uh, But again, would not... Um, Relationships were very destructive mm. um, initially, like most women, I would say. Uh, they, could, they can go through a time of being promiscuous, mm. angry at themselves, yeah. but also angry at men. And I remember my attitude was, well, um, I'm going to treat you the way I've been treated. Mm. Um, but anyway, over time, that all calmed down. And... Um, during those nine years again, uh, my father had died and I was the youngest in the family and lived uh, with my mum. Mm -hmm. And my mum, uh, who had Parkinson's disease, died suddenly. Now, again, within what's known as post-abortion trauma, mm -hmm. um, when another loss situation occurs, it can trigger unresolved grief. Oh, yeah. So, the, um, again... I'd promised I would never go out with anyone from my work again, mm. but uh, I, I did. And this, again, was someone that didn't live in Scotland, so I didn't really know that much about him. Mm. And I was being made redundant and had a place at university to retrain. So my life was going to be different. Mm. Also, just to say in that nine years, there was a place where I, there was quite a deep, self-hatred. I wouldn't say I was depressed, but life was never the same. It was as if I was on a level plane all the time. I was neither happy nor sad. But with the unresolved grief, um, I wanted more from this relationship. And I did not know the, the chap that well at all. But anyway, um, sex occurred and I'd started the course and the only time I've ever missed a period was um, when I was pregnant. Yeah. So I thought, I, I'm pregnant. I know I am. Mm. And if I go early enough, the, sh the shame, mm. the fear, because now I was 37, mm. and I thought, this career woman, and how did I get into this yeah. situation again? Mm. Anyway, if I went early enough, it wouldn't be a baby. By this time, um, the abortion industry had progressed uh, to having an office in Glasgow, so um, I thought if I go early enough, um, I'll see what they say. So I was so ashamed going to that office, but again, the denial, it's not a baby. Mm. And, uh, well, the same questions is really what they asked me. Yeah. Can you cope? Are you in a um, supported situation? And I said no. I said, um, can I have another abortion? Oh, yes, of course you can. This is the solution. You, um, you've got your life in front of you. As you're saying, you're on your own. And, uh, and it was the same procedure. Yeah. And I travelled back down to Liverpool. 
again, within the um, impact of abortion. Although I went to the same clinic, I had no memory of that building whatsoever mm. till the following morning. Wow. And um, it was the breakfast room and it was, at that time, I, I, they would still smoke. So yeah. the walls were this dirty yellow yeah. and it was, oh, it was just dark and morbid. And, I, and I, that just mirrored how I felt at that time. Mm. So anyway, um, I, a f girlfriend had come with me yeah. and uh, when we travelled up home, the thoughts that I had was like, what kind of woman I, was I? But again, not acknowledging the baby at all. Um, so on my course, it uh, required that um, I went away um, for two blocks of 12 weeks mm -hmm. and um, the, the only difference after the abortion was that I bled after the first abortion. There was no bleeding after the second abortion. Okay. And um, I, I'd been away for the 12 weeks. So when I came back home, I phoned B-Pass uh, and said, I could have come for an examination because they offered this post-operative check. Mm. And um, so I went to the office and uh, the doctor who examined me asked me two questions. He said, have you been to Liverpool and uh, did you have the operation? And I, you know, I really was puzzled and looking at him um, because there was no question in my mind yeah. I did have the operation. Yeah. And, but again, the feelings that came up was that there must be something really badly wrong with me. Um, and he said, can I invite a colleague in to examine you? And, and I said, yes. And the other doctor came in, he examined me and he said, oh, approximately 20 weeks gestation. Mm. So I said, are you seeing I'm pregnant? And one doctor said yes, and the other doctor said no. We don't know what's in your womb, mm. but we can arrange to send you for a scan. I, I went to the, uh, the hospital and absolutely petrified uh, because they, they had mentioned some sort of uh, cancerous cyst that I might have. And, um, but anyway, the... The nurse that I saw, the department was empty and uh, when I was shown into the room where the scan was going to happen and, and she said, um, really so kind. Well, if you can imagine, I really was almost in bits yeah. and she uh, said, just you watch that screen. She said, mm. um, and you're going to be all right. Uh, so anyway, mm. when I... Um, she was scanning me, and there I saw a baby, mm. and I saw this little heart beating and the uh, arms and legs moving. And only the week before in lectures, I'd had the, the quickening, as mm. they call it. The baby was moving and had grown enough for me to feel. And uh, well, I thought that that's what that was, mm. but I thought it was the 
eating issue coming back again. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I, again, it was another watershed day for me. Mm. And um, I went home. I don't know when I, I spoke to uh, B-Pass again. I don't know if I phoned them, mm -hmm. but the feelings that came up um, was the reality of seeing mm -hmm. my baby, but what did I do nine years before? And the feelings that I had were that I was dirty. The reality of yeah. my baby and what I'd done before. So, um, as a young woman, um, I had made a commitment mm -hmm. in my teen years yeah. to um, God and yeah. for a time had been walking uh, his way but I suppose you could identify me or call me um, a prodigal mm -hmm. um, and that day um, really I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to do with these the guilt and anyway I just sat at home and I just prayed and asked mm -hmm. God's forgiveness and um, I just, uh, well, believed I was in his presence mm. and, uh, and well, a peace came and I just knew deep inside that it, no matter what, things were going to be alright. So, um, well, for my, I was 20 weeks and 4 days pregnant. And uh, the four months later, um, I gave birth to uh, a healthy daughter. And I, again, with post-abortion trauma, uh, many women have feelings, um, particularly when they are pregnant again, that okay. if they have unresolved emotional feelings, mm. um, could they be a good mother? Could they love this baby because of what they had done? And although I didn't talk about it much, I remember saying to my sister, Marion, what if, what if there is something wrong with me and I can't love this baby? And and she said, no, no, Margaret, that, mm. just you wait. And, I, and well, for me, that was the truth. As soon as they put uh, my daughter in my arms, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. experience and I was so thankful yeah. and really that, uh, well God was giving me another chance Amen. and um, what I didn't mention was that I had had, before I had the, the abortion, mm -hmm. the, the chap, um, I, I didn't see him mm. after that one occasion. Okay. We had argued um, because, again, uh, yeah. for me, it was as after it happened. Well, he was like I guess most men. Mm. Um, I, I, well, I won't be seeing you again. So, yeah. bye. But anyway, um, he had phoned just before Christmas, before I went for the examination. Mm and uh, he'd said he was coming back up to Glasgow, oh, you would love to see me. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I spoke on the phone and, I, and said to him, well, I need to tell you, 
that I became pregnant and um, he said, well, Margaret, I, I, it, that was maybe for the best because I'm married and I have two daughters. Mm. And I said, well, that maybe it was for the best. Mm. And that was that. But um, from having the pregnancy confirmed and living my life pregnant, um, I, and again, that that was a hard time too in some respects because I still was ashamed of what, at 37, what had happened. But again, uh, not of the, like say, the baby is such. Um, but anyway, um, I prayed a lot about, uh, well, I, uh, I thought I had his yeah. real telephone number um, because I, I argued with myself um, does he need to know and should I tell him and anyway he um, the week before I went in yeah. to hospital my due date um, he phoned again to say he was coming up to uh, Scotland so could we meet up and I said oh well yes please come to the house yeah. because I, I've, I'd left it with God that if the opportunity came uh, well, they had to know, mm, yes. and well, I didn't have any milk at home that day when he came, so I got in my car, rushed to the shop, and yeah. just as I drove up, his car was at the door, okay. and um, well, of course, he's seeing me from the neck up, so yeah. as I get out, and he's looking at me, yeah. and shocked, and he said, my goodness, Margaret, what happened to you? And I said, well, it seems as if that um, abortion did not work and the pregnancy continued. Mm. And um, I suppose in some respects, I don't remember the shock in his face at that moment in time. But anyway, he came into the house and I said, I, I really I believe you have to know this. Yeah. Um, because it's life, it's not, I said, the way I was living was all wrong. I said, and certainly the way you were living when you are married, I said, my life's going to change completely. But I said, you've got a choice here, how you're going to live your life. Uh, but I said, I really wanted to ask you two questions. I said, I don't want anything from you. Mm. I said, but is there any health issues that might mm. uh, be a problem for uh the baby um, and he said um, no and I, really that was the extent uh, of me telling him well you need to change your life uh, and he left that day and I have never heard from him since. So um, again I as time, well, God, as God is, he was so good. And um, I finished my course, I sat the exam, but where I thought I would have to work, um, well, it really was made clear to me if um, my daughter was only going to have uh, one parent, she had to have 100% of me. Mm. So, um, uh, and it was lovely to be a mum, mm. having worked um, all these years and to do the things uh, we did and 
um, then uh, uh, after being at uh, home for a time, yeah. uh, well, till she went to primary school, that again was when my life changed. So, Margaret, what helped you um, begin a healing process then? Well, really, um, uh, becoming a Christian uh, or re-establishing my relationship uh, with Jesus because, as, well, um, uh, reading the Bible is his word and his word is life and living the living word. So, um, and I... Now, there was two American um, psychologists, Christians, who came to Paisley, where I live, and they had done a lot of work in inner healing. And uh, so I'd gone to, uh, to hear what they said. And, and well, I had prayer. Mm. And again, an interesting thing did happen. And because it, and it is um, relevant because they, they talk about the babies in the womb. No, are they've no feelings? They yeah. and uh, either pain or emotional feelings or whatever. Yeah. But but um, my daughter wouldn't feed from me, skin yeah. to skin. And um, when I'd spoken to a, a, the psychologist, he said, "Well, um, and from reading." A, of his work, he said, um, babies in the womb um, know when they're being rejected. But babies, in the unborn, are aware of so many things yeah. that uh, it's only, again, in uh, the following years that many uh, have studied uh, that they can hear music, they know the mum's voice and yeah. the dad's voice and these things. But anyway, that was one thing that was... Um, uh, was an issue early on. Do you think that if women and girls were provided with the right amount of support um, that you would see more of them choosing life? Oh, most definitely because um, uh, I then, um, say in 1988, became involved with a pro-life group. We had a speaker come mm. Uh, to church and there was a um, a bill going through Parliament so we had a day of life at our church and uh, so became involved uh, after hearing about post-abortion trauma and uh, when the girls um, from SPUC heard my story they said would you like to come in an afternoon a week because we get calls from women yeah. and uh, so from there, I then, um, for the next 20 odd years, uh, worked with SPUC mm. in, uh, I wasn't in the political area, but uh, we were called British Victims of Abortion and we set up a helpline and uh, the reality was that well, I remember counting way at the beginning um, uh, when it wasn't talked about that much, but we had done some marketing um, in churches particularly, yeah. and I had 300 calls that year, and it was just me yeah. over time, and, and I was hearing the same thing 
all the time that um, and the reality is that uh, women really are not counselled in any way to understand their situation or their circumstance. They are counselled to abort so that the abortion providers can tick yeah. the boxes to make it legal. And so many, um, well, they'd be the group who would talk about, um, I didn't want to do it, but they were being coerced either by lack of support uh, from family or the, the, the man involved, the father, um, or their circumstances, um, or fears, or there was the occasion when it would be a, maybe a medical problem with the baby and again they're not given the full information, yeah. they're not allowed to explore their circumstances, their situation and what, what do you think about abortion? Um, what is your feeling yeah. about it and uh, what is your feeling about the baby? Because the denial is the, the major thing that um, stops women from uh, healing. Mm -hmm. Abortion is brutal. The baby's um, dehumanised, mm -hmm. but women are dehumanised also and mm -hmm. they, um, well today we've got um, the abortion pill and it's abortion at home yeah. and yeah. if, do you know, if abusers abuse over a long time they are totally desensitised to what they do to the person they're abusing and I see that in society. Mm. Our society has so denied the unborn child but also the woman mm. and um, because the abortion pill is brutal um, and all that I've heard on the telephone and um, if they're on their own, they're frightened, they're, um, the reactions that their body has, whether it's the extreme pain yeah. that many have or the bleeding. Um, uh, and the bleeding that can carry on for I had one lady on the phone and she bled for 12 weeks after um, because uh, and she kept going to the doctor and she had a few um, other scans but whatever was left of the tissue in her womb whether it was after birth it wasn't they didn't deem it big enough it, it will come away on its own yeah so you can bleed for as long as it takes and I thought so callous, mm. really so callous. What advice would you give to any woman who finds herself in that situation and, and thinks abortion is the only answer? Well, um, I know that they more than likely will feel because of 54 years of the rhetoric of the, the pro-choice um, movement, 54 years of um, abortion providers where it's from the government down um, that they deny mm. the reality of abortion and for the general public for 
the way our culture has gone, young people today, adults too, yeah. um, believe that um, sex is a recreational pastime. It certainly is not. And so the responsibility has been removed of, from the sexual act that every time, even with contraception, you can become pregnant. Mm. So I, a woman that finds herself pregnant will think that is the quick fix. Yeah. Well, the reality is it fixes nothing. Mm. You exchange one set of problems for another. So um, I'm hoping that with um, more information going out into the marketplace, out into the public yeah. domain, that if you are pregnant, talk about your fears, find someone to talk to, look at your circumstances and your situation. Um, I was the wee girl that played with her dolls till she was 13. Mm. So how could my head switch to aborting a baby? So again, in today's world, uh, culture has such an influence. Education has missed the mark in relation, well, with regard to relationships. Um, men need to be men um, and women need to be women. Yeah. And um, there's boundaries that need to be put in place because um, when things like an unplanned pregnancy occur, um, the, to choose abortion, you're denying yourself. Your inst the instincts that you have uh, are to nurture. Mm. But again, that is not uh, inner culture. What would you like to say to abortion providers who may be oblivious um, to how this procedure would affect women? Well, um, because I, I would say there's an underlying agenda going back to um, before um, the abortion law came into being. Mm. There is such a thing as eugenics and I believe that that underlies a abortion and the provision of abortion but the abortion providers have never acknowledged um, the research or asked women the right questions how are you feeling after your abortion so they've denied totally the after effects on women mm. and not only on women because during my 20 plus years at the end of a yeah. telephone I've spoken to the fathers who struggle, who may be in denial initially, but then further down the line, like the young man whose friend asks him to go to, to pick up his wee boy from school, and um, an intelligent man, he gets to the school, and he's looking at all these wee boys running around and kicking balls, and, and I thought, I could have a boy at this school. Mm. at this age and that was the beginning of the breaking of his denial wow. and he then uh, thought about things and like say he would drink 
to excess. Yeah, to medication probably. Yes, yeah. So um, the men who would come on the phone damaged the grandfathers, grandmothers. Uh, the reality is that it's not just, or it's not only the baby and the mother. Yeah. All um, uh, who have personal contact are impacted, mm. but that's denied. Um, any man who goes along with a woman to an abortion clinic, yeah. um, and if he's, he has any doubts and they think he may have uh, stopped the woman, yeah. they're quite aggressive and leave the room and uh, keep your opinions to yourself. And I've heard that many, many times. Mm. But so they deny post-abortion trauma. And, and I have said, I've spoken to them, and I've said, well, what are you so afraid of? Why do you need to lie if abortion is the best solution? Mm. Um, because many who work in the abortion clinics, and I guess within in Scotland, the NHS, yeah. um, are, um, are post-abortive too. Mm. Because the other thing that flags up is, uh, and why it um, the women um, who are aggressive about, if you were the silent witness outside an abortion clinic, the, the threat of anyone breaking their denial, because they've gone behind this wall and they've got to protect themselves. Oh, yeah. So therefore, the... Um, that's why it's so aggressive. And again, I, I would say with the, the medics, the, um, well, I don't know for sure, but my thoughts on it are that the, um, I think the best way to put it is that abortion can never be objective. It's always subjective and if I were in your situation, uh, this is the answer, because that's what I would do. And also, because, I, I could be wrong, but there's so many male doctors um, who are abortionists, and um, there's so many, well, there's so many men, like, uh, maybe a better way to put this is, if, there's been 10 million approximately abortions because some will be repeat abortions. Yeah. Um, well, there's 10 million mothers, fathers, True. families, and society is a victim too. Yeah, yeah that's most so, definitely. Yeah, so important. Uh, and the breakdown of the family, you could, um, I've heard it said that, that, like, say, abortion is the biggest issue that we face as human beings, mm -hmm. and I would, I would. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a really important point. So, um, but again, this uh, breaking someone's denial, they, they, um, that's why they're so aggressive. How dare you? Um, these women are needing help and we're giving it. Yeah, but the women, I always remember um, that's, that saying that um, I would say the majority of women do so while the balance of their mind is disturbed. And it's not to make an excuse for the women, mm. because 
uh, it's across the board, age-wise, um, uh, economically, from the poorest woman to the richest woman, yeah. who finds herself in a crisis pregnancy, um, is vulnerable. And unless she's given the opportunity to explore all her circumstances, to see, and it's not taking away her choice. Like say, to make a choice, you've got to have all your, the information, and it is the only um, procedure that uh, they don't need to give you um, uh, information that they're helping you, they're yeah. doing the right thing. No, thank you so much for, you know, courageously sharing your story and for all the great work that you do and offering hope to women yeah. as well. So thank you for oh. joining, um, to, you know, in the studio today and sharing your story. I have no doubt it will be powerful um, for lots of women to hear and for everyone who's curious about the effects of abortion. So thank you um, for sharing. Uh, I really do appreciate that and for coming in as well. So, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm.